0: Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Proverb 22, verse 29. Hear now the word of the Lord. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Hear now the word of the Lord. But the man who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness or there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. So for many of you, this will not come as a surprise. Anyone who's spent time talking to me or reading the newsletters that I send out or even who knows that my degree, my undergrad degree, is in English literature won't be surprised when I say that I am a person who loves stories. I love to read stories, novels, short stories, even poetry at times. And especially true is that I love old stories. Things that, uh, well, I was, it was observed to me once that it had been a long time since I'd read anything that was newer than 70 years old. And uh, that's pretty true of, of what I generally will read. But There's this one story in particular that I came across uh, a few years ago. It's, a really, it's really an odd one, and it fascinated me. It stuck with me for uh, some time, and I gave it some thought. It's a story by Herman Melville, but it's not a story that he's particularly famous for. And this is the strange story of Bartleby the Scrivener. Now, a Scrivener, for those of you who don't know, is uh, someone who back in the day before printing was a thing, copied legal documents by hand. This was an important profession. It might not sound like the most exciting, but it was critical for the functioning of legal procedure. So in this story, what happens is it starts off with an elderly narrator who owns a business copying legal documents. And he needs to hire a new employee. So he finds this guy named Bartleby, and he gives him the job. And very quickly, Bartleby proves his worth. He proves that he is good at this job, that he can copy quickly, that he can write legibly, and that generally speaking, he's a good worker and a good employee. But before too long, the man asks Bartleby to do something, and he says, I would prefer not to. And so caught off guard, the employer just moves on to someone else, not really knowing what's going on, and then he does it again. And then before long, it gets to the point where every time Bartleby's asked to do something, he responds in this exact same way, I would prefer not to. Well, the employer has absolutely no idea what to do with this, but being uh, conflict-averse as he is, he decides that Rather than deal with this problem by asking Bartleby to leave or by getting him out of the building, he's just going to move his business somewhere else. And so with Bartleby still there, he takes the rest of his employees and they set up shop somewhere else and leave Bartleby behind. Now, at this point, Bartleby has started sleeping in the office. He lives there. He just spends his time sitting at his desk, staring out the window at a brick wall. Well, a little while after they move out of the building, the narrator comes back and finds that there are new tenants there who've started a new business and that they have had Bartleby removed because when they asked him to leave, he said, I would prefer not to. And so they called the police. And the police came and they escorted him out. And so concerned about Bartleby, the narrator goes down to the jail. And when he gets there, he finds out that Bartleby has died because after a while, when they brought him his meals and told him to eat, he started saying, I would prefer not to, and just didn't. And this story, as strange as it is, just ends with the narrator saying, Oh, Bartleby, oh, humanity. And that's it. That's the story. And this stuck with me, because for as odd as it is, there's something that, that resonates Bartleby very quickly proves his ability, but he falls into the passive response of, I would prefer not to, and then stops doing anything at all. And at the same time that that's happening, the narrator himself begins to tolerate the inaction and avoid dealing with it. Neither one of them at this point do what needs to be done. And at the end of it, Bartleby wastes away having accomplished very little. Both he and the narrator throughout this entire story yielded basically nothing. This is a weird, strange story, but it was a huge success when it was published. It fascinated people in the same way that it fascinated me. And there's a reason that it's still read in some English classes today. That's because its message resonates with people. At its core, it's the tragedy of a talented person who failed to use their skills and slowly faded away. And I think that for a lot of people, this is something that either exists in some part within us, that we might have a little Bartleby within ourselves, or if not that, I think most of us or afraid that we might end up going down that same path. You see, it's far too easy for us to lose motivation, to fall into patterns or routines that prevent us from growing and doing, prevent us from making any kind of forward motion or impact, and for us to end up wasting whatever talents we've been given instead of using them well. See, Last week, we started talking about stewardship, but we acknowledge that stewardship's not just about what you do with your money. It's about how you use the resources that God has given you throughout your entire life in service of the kingdom. So last week, we talked about that in the context of using your time well. Well, this week, we can see that it's also true about talent and skill That brings us to our scripture for this morning. Now, interestingly enough, even though this scripture does seem to be talking about money, it was originally called the parable of the talents, because that's what the coins were called, were talents. And it's clearly, at least to me, not just about money, because Jesus would have been telling this story to people who would probably go their entire lives without seeing a gold coin. They lived on nothing. So we can know that this is something that that means more than just invest wisely. This is another one of Jesus' parables that conflicts with the image that we often have of Jesus as this meek and mild and passive sort of figure. Because once again, we find Jesus talking about kind of serious matters, about throwing servants out, into darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is serious stuff. And it might seem more harsh than you'd expect, but what that means is we have to take this seriously. So here's what happens in this parable. There are three servants who are given three opportunities of different scales. Two of them invest what they've been given. One was given five bags of gold and another was given two. And they take that money and they get returns. They use their opportunities well. But the third one is either too afraid or too lazy, probably both, to do anything. So he literally buries his chance to be active. He takes this gift that's been given to him, that he's been trusted with to use well, and he buries it in the ground so that he doesn't have to deal with it. The two who invest see good results. And when the master comes back, they get to share in his happiness. The one who was given five bags at the start gives ten bags back to his master. And what does the master say? He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been trusted with little. Now you will be put in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then he goes to the one that was only given two bags at the start and who has four bags now, less than the first one even began with. And he gives that back to the master, and the master responds in the exact same way. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. It doesn't matter that he ended was less than the first servant even began with. The fact that both of them took what they'd been given and used it well meant that they both were commended by the master when he came back. And then there's the one who buried the money. And when he gives it back to the master and says, I was afraid of what you would do if I lost this, so here you go. Here's your your bag of gold back. The master throws him out. He kicks him out entirely and gives that to the one who invested well. What we can see in this is that different people are given different opportunities, not just financially, but in terms of skill as well. Each of us has been equipped, some with artistic talents, some with the ability to write. Some people among us are good singers, some people are good at painting. Some people are incredibly talented when it comes to financial literacy and budgeting. Some people are good with their hands and can build things that most of us can just dream about. But the fact is, every person, regardless of whether they were born into wealth or poverty, whether they were born in a well-connected family or not, whether they're good Artists or good builders. Every single person has an opportunity to use those gifts in service of the kingdom. When you recognize that, when you recognize what you have, there are two things that you can do. You can either get caught up in wishing that you had what somebody else has or, like the servant who was given two bags of gold instead of five, you can get to work using what you have, what you've been entrusted with by God in pursuit of something better. If there's one message that we can take away from this, it's that we should be very careful not to waste our opportunities. That we should be careful not to waste the lives that we've been given because everything can be used in service of the kingdom of God. Different people here have different spheres of influence and different networks. We know different people. Oftentimes, our, our jobs bring with them different uh, skill sets and different sensibilities, and sometimes it can even seem like we're speaking different languages. But what that does is it makes us relatable and understanding of different people. Through God's gifts, we have the ability to be compassionate and sympathetic with people that others might not be able to reach and to offer practical help at times to people who need it. Look, I am not from here. I came in blind to this this church, to this town, and honestly, to this state, not really knowing what to expect. Y'all could have been terrible. But thankfully... Thankfully, that wasn't the case. I've been very blessed to be here. But the fact remains that many of y'all have been here for years, some of you for decades, some of you for your whole lives. Most of you probably know people that I won't ever have the opportunity to meet unless you bring them to church. But what that means is that you have the opportunities to connect with each of these people in ways that are meaningful in ways that can speak the truth of the gospel into their lives, can make real and tangible impacts, and then can give meaning to it. So whatever you do, whatever you've been blessed with in terms of talents and abilities and skills, as you use it, do so like it matters, because it does. Do it like you're working for God because you are. After all, at the end of this, at the end of a life a faithful service what we have to look forward to is the greatest reward that there is which is to hear god say to us well done my good and faithful servant when we use our talents well we get to share in the celebration of it we get to share when we hear that commendation by god Yes, but we also get to share in that celebration every time our work yields results, every time that a gospel seed that we plant comes to fruition. So I ask you, what talents have God given to you? What skills have you been blessed with? And what opportunities do you have that others might not? Are you good at singing? Are you a talented musician? And sing songs about Christ. Go and connect with other musicians and tell them about Jesus. Bless them with your presence and your service and show them Christ. Are you a good storyteller? Then go and tell people about what you've seen God do in your life and in the lives of the people around you. And through that, show them Christ. Can you help people navigate financial troubles? Well, then go and find people who need help and help them do that because Jesus cares about their needs. And through that, you can show them the love of Christ. Are you someone who's a talented cook? Are you a good listener or a good conversationalist? Are you one of those people who makes friends with every person that you come across, no matter how much or little time you have with them, well, use that skill, use those skills in service of the kingdom to connect with people and show them the power of Jesus Christ. And most importantly, don't just wait for opportunities. Seek them out. This work that we're called to, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and heal the sick and comfort the mourning, this work that we're called to do in Jesus' name, it's the most important work that there is. So don't waste these opportunities by doing nothing. Don't waste the life that God has blessed you with or the skills that you've been given. When you're confronted with opportunities to serve or when you think about looking for ways to connect, don't respond with, I would prefer not to. Don't respond by taking your gifts and burying them. Instead, see those opportunities, these gifts that you've been trusted with, and imagine how God can multiply them if you'll just invest in other people. And friends, I promise that if you'll use these talents well, and at the end of it, you'll hear the greatest affirmation that there is, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Thanks be to God.